0: the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word.
1: Zephaniah, what a prophet he was. He was possibly the only prophet that came from royal blood. According to the introduction that we have of him in chapter 1, verse 1, it goes back to Hezekiah, and so today we want to take a bird's eye view of Zephaniah, talk about the man just a little bit, which we don't know a lot about, but yet he was a great prophet and the day of the Lord, and he really, I think, develops the day of the Lord, I would say both sides of the coins, the judgment, but then the blessing. So this is Bert Harper along with Alex McFarlane, and it's our joy to be with you. Alex, Zephaniah, I would say, is probably one of the least known of the minor prophets even, you know? But what a message he yeah. has. It was tremendous, wasn't it?
2: Well, yeah, there's preaching against false gods. There's the, the warning about God consuming the whole land in a state of judgment, trumpets of alert and alarm being blown. Uh, there's a lot in this, again, a very short book, just three chapters, but you're right. Um, uh, when have you ever heard a sermon preached on Zephaniah? He's one of those <laughs> biblical writers that very, very important, very significant, but just doesn't get a lot of uh, uh, Time does he?
1: He does not, and we're going to dig into him. But first, we want to have an interview that we're working on. So let me set it up, and Devin's helping us get that connection. But Operation Christmas Child this is the week when we oh, promote yes. it, and it is the week where people are ready next week to receive uh, those boxes at the gathering places. And we're looking forward to that. So, our guest today and I'm going to take a stab at this. Elena Nicholson. Elena, is that close to your first name?
3: Yes,
1: sir, that is. Okay. Well, let me share this. Wonderful. Eight years old, when you and your sister move from an abusive, poverty sticking home into an orphanage in the former Soviet Union. Eight years old. Uh, what a time in your life to have your life. Uh, just so upheaval, Uh, but Operation Christmas Child sound like was a real blessing to you, Elena.
3: Absolutely, sir. I forgot to use a small shoebox to change my life. It's just amazing. It's a miracle in itself.
1: Amen. Alex, that shoebox has changed a lot of people's lives, hasn't it?
2: Amen. And, Sister, we're so glad to have you on Exploring the Word today. For those that may not know... And it wouldn't be many because the shoebox ministry, Operation Christmas Child, is so well-known. But in case somebody is not familiar, um, explain what this is, please.
3: Well, what Operation Christmas Child does is basically take um, any shoebox that you have around the house and fill it up with uh, fun items like toys and things, as well as hygiene items and school supplies. And then we send that out to um, other countries, um, to, like, over 100 countries that we've been sending it to. And basically, they not only get a gift with, you know, toys and things like that, but they also get an opportunity to hear about Jesus and what he has done for them.
1: Well, I understand Mm. you were in that orphanage in the former Soviet Union when you received the shoebox. Do you remember the items that was in the shoebox?
3: Absolutely. My shoebox, well, first of all, it was an amazing shoebox on the outside. You know, it was wrapped in a colorful wrapping paper. It was bright. It was shining. It was amazing. And then I opened my shoebox and my shoebox was filled pink from the inside out. And the coolest thing about that was just the fact that I love color pink and God knew that about me before I even knew that about myself, and so he gave me a shoebox filled with color pink, and I had Barbie with a pink dress. I had some um, teddy bear in there. He was pink. I had this amazing pink pant.
1: That is amazing What what's um, in those shoeboxes. Alex, I've heard it again and again that uh, these shoe boxes can be such a blessing to individuals and Many times, it's just like God orchestrated it and, and got this shoebox that may have been put together. I'm just going to pick a state. may have put, been put together in Arkansas, and it goes across right. the halfway of the world to the Soviet Union, the former Soviet Union and it goes into an area, and then it goes to a church area, and then it goes to an individual child, and that child, it seems like this is the perfect gift. That has happened again and again, hasn't it?
2: Well, it has, and, you know, we've heard so many testimonies from uh, children that became believers and then grow up and oftentimes uh, are involved with Samaritan's Purse, and people have said, uh, you know, the person who prepared my shoebox could not have known, but my favorite thing was in there, and it made me realize that God loved me. And so I want to encourage everybody to participate. Uh, there, Bert, am I right? There is still time to get a shoebox, these famous red and green boxes, and you can put in there some, some toiletry items, a bath cloth and things like that, and then um, they handle it, the Billy Graham, Samaritan's Purse, Franklin Graham Ministries and it gets uh, uh, filled with gospel materials. And, Bert, the shoeboxes go places where maybe even we can't go because just about every nation in the world allows them in, but maybe missionaries or Christian leaders couldn't go, but the shoebox goes.
1: They sure did. in the Soviet Union, where Elena's from, and is a perfect example of that. Elena, uh, when you got mm-hmm. your shoebox and do you had... Did- I know you remembered those things that were in it. You listed them. Which one was your favorite?
3: Well, one of my favorite was a small pen, and it's very unique because it was a pink pen. And it was amazing to me because I'd never seen something like this before. And this pink pen had feathers on top of a pen, and then there was a wire, and the heart would just dingle on it. And like I said, I've never seen something like that before. So I was really, really fascinated by this pen. And then I pressed down just to write my name and the heart of the pen lit up. And I was like, my physical heart was lighting (laughs) up for the first time because it was just magnificent just to see something like that small, you know, and just to make a big difference in my life and feeling that love from a stranger that packed my shoebox.
1: Amen. Go ahead, Alex.
2: Well, Elena, how do people get involved with the shoebox ministry, OCC? How do they get involved?
3: Uh, Yeah, just packing a shoebox. They could go online, uh, samaritanspurse.org slash OCC, and they could find all the information there if they want. But just grabbing a shoebox and packing a shoebox and then dropping off at a drop-off location, which you could find... On that website, with your zip code, and um, you could just drop it off. And the National Collection Week is the 15th of November through the 22nd. Yes, that
2: is now, right. Now, what are some? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh. What are some items that people probably shouldn't put in the shoe boxes?
3: That's a great. Uh, that's a great question. So we try not to put anything that is breakable because you know if it breaks in the shoebox then it could destroy all the carton that is no, in no that glass place. and so no glass, nothing liquid. Um again that could ruin a shoebox. Um no food, no chocolate, no toothpaste and nothing war related items. You know just because a lot of these kids are around the world war right now and so we don't wanna focus on that for yeah. these kids
1: so. we really do understand that and i i would say no toothpaste but toothbrushes i uh elena i don't know if that was in yours but oh, yeah. i've heard so many yeah. <laughs> of the ones that we've got to talk to in here what a toothbrush mm-hmm. meant to them because uh, i know some that were having to share their toothbrushes in their family and and they had their very own toothbrushes so these these items Uh, not only make a difference in the child's life, but Elena, did it make a difference in your sister's life as well that was there with you?
3: Absolutely, yes. So I know a lot of people, they think, well, you know, it's just a shoebox, and I'm not sure where it's going, like a cold country, hot country, but God is in the front of it. Like my sister, she got a shoebox as well, and her shoebox is filled with artistic items, and that shoebox is Specifically for her, I mean, she loved everything in her shoebox, and that shoebox got used and changed her life as well, and so we got adopted into a family here in America because we got a shoebox, and it shared the gospel with us, and then we started to pray to God for a family, and He provided that family.
1: Well, that happened in 2004, and you came to the United Mm -hmm. States? Yes. Amen. It's uh, on the information I have, and I I love it, and it just says, it sounds like an unbelievable fairy tale, but God Mm -hmm. made that real need in your life come to be, and it all started with Operation Christmas Child, and somebody, as Elena said, packing a shoebox filled with pink, material, a mm-hmm. uh, Barbie doll dressed in pink, a pen in pink, everything yes. in the pink, <laughs> and you knew it was designated just for you, did you not?
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. So, just thinking about it, you know, as a young kid growing up in an orphanage, I mean, everything was dark, everything was gloomy, and then you get a shoebox, and it's just pink colors, and it's like... <laughs> hmm That's for me, you know, and it's just so special for a child that felt unloved, that felt unwanted, that felt like a nobody. And with that shoebox, they were telling me, hey, you are somebody because I packed this gift for you. And then I got to hear about Jesus, which is the greatest gift that we could give to these kids, you know, and just learning about him and um, starting to believe in him and all that. Amen. That goes with it.
2: And, And, you know, you know what really blesses my heart? Because uh, our church has gone down to Charlotte, North Carolina, a time or two to help with... Uh, there's there's an area down there where we've gone, and there are hundreds of people helping. But we would pray over these shoe boxes and we know mm-hmm. they're going to go around the world, and the the gospel is in there. And, uh, you know, that, that's very significant that they go with the hand of God upon them, don't they? Yes,
3: absolutely. And, I mean, like I said, what... My sister and i i mean god specifically give us the shoe boxes that were meant for us you know she got the artistic one and i got the pink one and it was just amazing how god cares about so much that he specifically gives these shoe boxes to us
1: amen so pack that shoe box you thought about it now's the time to do it the collection week is next week the 15th to the 22nd this year 2021, they're looking at 9.7 million children getting a shoebox. You want to be one of those. And, and Alex, since 1993, 188 million shoeboxes have been given to children in over 160 countries and territories. That is the hand of wow. God. And Elena, we thank you for being with us today. And, and God bless huh. you. And keep it up, girl.
3: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was so much
1: fun. Well, it was great to have you. Thank you. God bless you. you. Yes. Alex, Operation Christmas Child, I honestly, I don't know if there's another ministry God's using any more than Samaritan's Purse, Operation Christmas Child.
2: Well, and and, you know, let me just say this, folks. Um, Being a North Carolinian, I've heard the story, and it, it was really one church, and a pastor that helped save this program 30 years ago, and now it's touching the whole wide world.
1: SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. You can find out where to drop that shoebox off. So do that and do it now. We'll be back with more of Exploring the Word right after this.
4: This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders
0: today we pray for david neal director of the executive office for immigration review at the united states department of justice his office oversees the nation's immigration courts amos 524 reminds us of the importance of justice but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream right now with this in mind let's pray together almighty god we ask for guidance for David Neal in his work with our country's immigration courts. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen.
4: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org.
5: Dr. Tony Evans says everything we have comes from one source and one source only, God, even when circumstances make it look otherwise. He'll explain with the help of this illustration as we spend two minutes with Tony. There's
6: an old lady. She's a widow living way out in the boondocks. She was on her last dime. She went to the Lord and said, Lord, you said in your word that you would meet all my needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. And so based on your word, and I'm gonna praise you when you answer it. So based on your word, I believe you're gonna feed me. She had a neighbor next door, he was an old man. And the old man was an atheist and always made fun of her faith. He came by her open window and heard her praying. He said, I'm gonna show that old woman something. There is no God. So the old man went to the store and bought a couple of bags of groceries. He went and he laid it at the old woman's door. He knocked on the door and went and hid on the side. The lady came to the door, saw the groceries, and said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The old man came from around and said, I told you there was no God, because Jesus didn't get that for you. I got that for you, and I don't believe in God. The old lady said, oh, no, that's not what happened. Jesus got it for me. He just let the devil pay for it. You don't have to limit yourself to what people say, circumstances say, what situations say. You got a right to victory.
5: The first and most important thing God has provided for us is a way out of sin and into eternal life. To find out more, visit TonyEvans.org and click on the link that says Jesus. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony.
0: therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ first 1 Peter 1 13 American Family Radio welcome back to exploring the word on American Family Radio
2: Now, if you're a student of the Bible and you hear uh, names like the Philistines and the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Assyrians, what do you think of? Well, you generally think of the enemies of, of Israel that fight against them all the time. Well, in the book of Zephaniah... Uh, he pronounces, the prophet Zephaniah pronounces judgment that's going to happen on a lot of these nations like the Philistines and the Ammonites. And so we're looking at the minor prophet Zephaniah, minor only in the sense of short length, not certainly uh, don't perceive that to mean insignificant because it's not. But uh, Bert, could we go back a little bit to uh 2nd Chronicles? I love this. I'll never forget when I was in seminary and we we're studying the Old Testament and we came across 2nd Chronicles 34 where uh there's there's uh, Hilkiah, if I'm saying that correctly, Hilkiah the high priest finds the book of the law in the temple. And that's a very interesting passage because right there in the temple they lost the scriptures. You know, it's been said, in the work of the Lord, don't lose the Lord of the work. But this kind of does spark a revival, and this is uh something during the time of Zephaniah. And uh the book is going to close on a good note, but like so many of the prophets, it begins with warnings about the judgment of God on the sin of the people. But um like, like so often is the case, it is going to end on a note of worship and praise and, and God's favor, but um, one of these significant prophets that came along late in the life of Judah.
1: It is. Now, with you talking about how it starts and how it ends, there's two verses that demonstrate that significantly. Look at chapter 1, verse 2. I want to read that. I will utterly consume all things from the face of the land says the lord man what what a statement but look if you would at chapter 3 verse 20 the last verse of zephaniah at that time now we're talking about a restoration i'll bring you back even at the time i gather you for i will give you fame fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. So it's mm. that is I don't know of another book that starts with a verse like that, verse two and of chapter one and ends. It is completely contrast. The first two chapters has to do with the declaration of of the judgment of the day of the Lord. And Alex, it's not just for Judah. It, is, it really is the whole earth. It, I think it is representative of what's going to happen one day with the judgment. But for Judah itself, it's north, south, east, and west. Everywhere around uh, uh, Judah, because it starts there in verse 4, Gaza, Ashkelon, that's Philistines, the five city-states. And then it moves up to Moab and Ammon, that's in the east. And, and then it goes to uh, Ethiopia in verse in verse twelve or Cush, that's in the south, and then it goes to Assyria verse thirteen, and that's in the north. So this whole area encompasses, and and uh, Zephaniah is not the only prophet that kind of does that. Uh, in, in in circling Judah, the other many of the other prophets, when it talks about the judgment, it it will you know it's like a circle bringing it in and bringing it to Judah. So here is the judgment that's coming. It is severe. One verse, and I'll throw it over to you. I think it's verse 11 of chapter 2. The Lord will be awesome to them, for he will reduce to nothing all the gods of the earth. People shall worship him, each one from his place, Indeed, all the shores of the nations. In other words, God is going to make sure in those days, in those days, that there's no God but our God. Uh, When I read verse 11... He will reduce to nothing all the gods of the earth. Alex, what a statement that is.
2: Well, amen, amen. And you know what's interesting? Did you study um, how when you were in seminary, Bert? Uh, so much of archaeology has proven the Bible, and you know there there's a lot in Zephaniah that is uh, let's just call it ge- uh, geological. There's things that are genealogical, but geological. Um, All right, verse 7 of chapter 2. Well, I'm going to go back to verse 5 of chapter 2. Woe unto the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nation of the Cherethites. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, the land of the Philistines. Now, you mentioned Ashkelon, which is a city to this day. I mean, there's a mighty city, and if you look, it's on the, the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. But this was the land of the Philistines. Now, uh, verse 6, and the seacoast shall be dwellings and cottages for shepherds and folds for flocks, and the coast for the remnant of the house of Judah they shall feed thereupon. In the houses of Ashkelon shall they lie down in the evening, for the Lord their God shall visit them and turn away their captivity. In other words, what had been in the hands of pagans, God is going to give to Judah ultimately. And it goes on and it talks about The destruction that's going to come in salt pits, and it won't be rebuilt. And there's a part that um, in Moab that we'll get to, but uh, the city, this the Philistines. What do we know about Ashkelon, Bert?
1: Well, when we find out about that city, again, you have to look at that the five uh, city states, and they're listed all but one: Gaza, Ashkelon, Ekron. Uh, these are city-states. Ashkelon is one of those that has a greater history. Uh, it seems like it was closer to the coast, further away, but it did not discard God's judgment. But it's also God turns it around and uses it as a a I I would say, a picture of what God has done and will do one day and bringing it to the people of Israel. They're in the land right now, 1848, 1948, excuse me, that took care of that. But God becoming their God, that is in a future event. Now, Alex, one thing I really thought was amazing in verses 8 and following, it's about Moab and Ammon, and we realize they, they were the children of Lot by his daughters, and they became the enemies of God. But look what it's, remember, Lot, he had to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah and look what he does in relating Moab and Ammon in verse 9. Surely Moab shall be like Sodom and the people of Ammon like Gomorrah. Ammon. Alex uh, Jeff, uh, Zephaniah was not just a prophet for the day, but he was a historical, uh, I, I would say, disciple of Israel, knowing how that Sodom and Gomorrah worked and how they were wiped out, and they were children. Of Lot that became the enemies, and it's amazing to me how he wove those together, brother. I, Zephaniah was a well—he not just a, oh a great know. prophet, but a great historian.
2: Well, he understood the spiritual dynamics. He acknowledged the moral condition, but he understood the 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 political and the cultural dynamics at play. Now, in talking about the judgment on Moab and Ammon, verse 10 of chapter 2, this shall be: this shall they have for their pride, because they have reproached and magnified themselves against the people of the Lord of hosts, against God's people. Now, uh, look over there at verse 15 of chapter 2. This is the rejoicing city that dwelt carelessly and said in her heart, I am and there is none beside me how she is now become a desolation a place for beasts to lie down, and everyone that passes by her will hiss and wag his hand. Okay, pride has brought down many an individual, many a nation. And it goes on, look at verse 4 of chapter 3, because here's the thing. In any culture, there's going to be sin. Uh, Wherever you have human beings, there's sin. But God sends priests, God sends ministers. But look at this. Um, her prophets are light and treacherous persons. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary, and they have done violence to the law. Now, let me say whether it's talking about Israel uh, or it's talking about the people of the land. uh, Bert, I'm going to say this. We live in a time where we've got priests and proclaimers that are not teaching the law, and that they're actually turning people away from God than toward God. And I want to say this, folks: don't be misled. If you're sitting under clergy that preaches anything other than Jesus being the one and only Savior, and the Bible being the Word of God, and morality, uh, marriage is between a man and a woman, abortion is wrong. God, God loves everybody. God will save anyone who repents. But homosexuality is wrong. And uh, Bert, uh, treacherous, polluting, misleading priests and prophets. Um, Zephaniah speaks judgment against them, and yet we've got them to this day, don't we? We
1: do, and that's what you have in chapter 3 as he zeroed in those areas around judah and jerusalem in chapter two in chapter three he returns to the jerusalem notice verse two and it 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 precedes what you just read she i think it's talking about the city of jerusalem because you see it in the context she has not obeyed his voice she has not received correction talking about the city she has not trusted in the lord she has not drawn near to her god now what does that mean she has not. It means God was wanting them to, God was desiring them to. God did not want them to be rebellious and polluted. God wanted them right. And he had his people there if they'd have done their jobs, Alex, that's what you're talking about. The princes, notice in verse three, the princes, the leadership, the judges, verse four, the prophets, the priest, and every one of these in the society were failing. The leadership was failing, the judges were failing, the the prophets and the priests were not doing they, their job. And so what is it? The Lord is righteous, verse five. He is in her midst. He will do not uh, he will do no unrighteousness. I love that verse. God will not do any unrighteous mm. act. Every morning he brings justice to light. He never fails, but the unjust knows no shame. I would I would everybody that's out there trying to figure it all out and we don't know exactly where where America's going where the church in America is going but God's working he will do nothing unrighteous and he will not fail he's cut off the nations according to verse 6 but come to verse 8 notice what it says cuz we got to get to this say. yeah we got to get to this let me read it and I'll throw it to you alex verse 8 Therefore, wait for me, says the Lord, until the day I rise up for plunder. My determination is to gather the nations, to my assembly of kingdoms, to pour on them my indignation. All my fierce anger, all the earth shall be devoured with a fire of my jealousy. The judgment of God is coming upon them, so you can wait. That's kind of like Habakkuk, you know. He was wanting to know, how long are we going to have to wait, Lord, till you do it? But God does restore his people, according to verse 9, doesn't he?
2: He really does. I mean, it's just so beautiful. Therefore, wait ye upon the Lord. Um, th- there's judgment. You know, I, I wonder if uh, Zephaniah 3.8 also might have a little bit of long-term prophetic significance in terms of Armageddon. I believe it uh, does, brother. I y- believe it does. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Um, it talks about, uh, I will also leave in the midst of thee an afflicted poor people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. Praise God. Now, here's a beautiful thing when God has touched a people. The remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity, nor speak lies, neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they shall feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. And again, that could be indicative of a, of a culture getting revived. It also is indicative of the millennium, because there's going to be a time the world will be a peaceable kingdom. Everybody will eat, safely lie down and nothing will make afraid. Now, it it transitions, really. Uh, Let me say this, 14 and following. We're going to wrap up with rejoicing, worship, and blessing. In, uh, really, the six or seven verses. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel, and be glad, and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Now, whenever it talks about, O daughter of Jerusalem, it's talking about, the believers of Jerusalem, the people of God. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy, the King of Israel. Even the Lord is in the midst of thee. Hey, Bert, when, um, you, you've been to Israel, right? Yes. We went uh, with some folks from Focus on the Family. We were there. In fact, I had to be off of the radio because we were over there 11 days. This is in 2014. But we crested over the Mount of Olives, and everybody oh, just gasps <laughs> yeah. because there looming up before you is the most photographed site in the world, Jerusalem. Yeah. And the tour guide, he said, there it is, folks, the city of the king.
1: Amen. It, it is. And I'm going to tell you. It is, yes. Um,
2: and it says here in verse 15, the Lord has taken away the judgment. He's taken away, the, cast out the enemy, the king of Israel. Even the Lord is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil anymore. Bert, that's pretty moving. That that will stir your heart, won't it?
1: (laughs) It will. And he does not stop. I want to read verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst. Again, similar to what he just said. The mighty one will save. He'll rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you in his love. He'll rejoice over you with singing. Now listen to that. He'll rejoice over you with gladness. He is, he is wrapping us up in his love. There's no doubt he's talking about, as you said, Alex, as Jesus has come back and he's restored and he's gotten his kingdom. Uh, and it says we, he will quiet you in his love. All the anxiety, all the difficulty, all the questions, he'll quieten us. But the last thing, he will rejoice over you with singing. God singing. Mm. Uh, That's why Christianity is a singing religion. We praise God. It's not one where you just quiet and have the doldrums. It is one. Yes, it is judgment, but it is celebration that Jesus has overcome all things in his resurrection. Hey, 888-589-8840. Give us a call. We'll be right back.
0: If you're searching for a better life, try the Bible. The Bible says we can face an uncertain future with confidence instead of fear. The key is trusting God and not what we feel, see, or hear. God knows the future before it happens, and he promises to take care of us if we trust and obey him. We don't have to be afraid of the future. We don't have to let worry control us. Trusting in God brings peace and tells fear to hit the road. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org.
7: Just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. A popular effort in social revisionism is happening where racism, which is better described in biblical terms as skin color based partiality, is a crime of which only people of lighter skin color can be guilty. Let's be clear, factions, divisions and dissensions including those based on skin color, are the fruit of the sinful flesh. The root cause of partiality is sin. Every person, regardless of the quantity of melanin in their skin, is capable of partiality. The only
0: remedy for sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
5: This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 says, There are different gifts but the same spirit. A couple had a large clock that just stopped working. The husband found what looked like the same clock at a big discount store. However, his wife wanted to return to the expensive store where they had bought the first clock. Well, the husband traced both clocks back to their manufacturer. They were both made by the same company, similar clocks, Sold in different stores, but the same manufacturer. They had equal value. Your spiritual gift is never less than someone else's. Every spiritual gift is from God. Use your gift in the church wherever you are. Remember, the purpose of spiritual gifts is to exalt Jesus Christ as Lord. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR.
0: Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio.
2: Welcome back to Exploring the Word. What a joy to look at Zephaniah. But now we do something that's uh, very meaningful to us. We take your phone calls, and we see people calling in right now. And, friend, today is your day to call in with a Bible question. Bert and I will do our very best to answer. That number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Hey, Bert, let me say this quickly. Next summer, and I know summer's a long time away, but July 8 through 10... I'm going to be at the Cove. It's beautiful, western North Carolina. I'll be teaching through the book of 1 Peter. And then in 2023, uh, good Lord willing, I'll be teaching through the book of 2 Peter. But, you know, Christmas is coming, and maybe somebody wants to uh, give their pastor a trip to the Cove and his wife. Or you come, or a lot of times whole families come. But the website is thecove, C-O-V-E, thecove.org. And if you put in my name in the search bar, you'll find it. But I would love for you to be a part of our study of First Peter. Angie will be there. We're going to have a good time. Lots and lots of AFA friends are always there, Bert. And uh, don't you love when you go up to the cove where Billy Graham and Ruth Graham prayer walked over those hillsides? And I think it shows because the presence of the Lord is really there. You
1: do. You dr- get off the interstate, and you take that little exit, and all of a sudden you drive through the gate. And you—I I, I just tell you, I feel the presence of the Lord. And so speaking of 1 Peter, I'll say it real quickly because we won't get to the cause. Right now, I've talked to so many pastors, teachers that are going through 1 Peter— Because it is a book for our day. The difficulties, the persecution, uh, the realities of it, it has a word for you. So uh, those of you that are going to the Cove, you'll enjoy it. But listen, don't hesitate to read 1 Peter. It will bless you. Well, Alex, let's get to the phone calls. Who's the first caller today?
2: Uh, How about we talk with Clint from Oklahoma? Clint, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you,
7: fellas. Um, love you so um i'm I'm part of a group that i call deplorable unum and i just (laughs) wanted to say one thing i had gone i'd gone pretty well untouched by the the china virus we had we had some family friends to die and it it wasn't good but then my son got sad and got got really uh really sick and we were we were really scared but uh I got a, I got a saying, and I think you fellas are. I have touched on it today. I got say saying that he uh, who laughs last laughs laugh the loudest. Jesus is. We don't know where America's going, but Jesus is going to judge. And I hope the, I hope the fools are watching, listening to your show today. I thank you for warning them.
1: Clint, let me just share with you. We are praying. The remnant will always be there. We don't know. Uh, Where that remnant, since it's in the church, we know it's all over the world. And, yes, we concentrate on America as we should because it's our country. But you ought to hear what God is doing in places like Nigeria. You should hear all over northern Africa and central Africa, what God is doing in the Middle East. He is pouring his spirit out in such a way that we're, we're talking about thousands coming to the Lord. And so uh, we're, we're, we're going to keep preaching and doing it, and we want to know America. Uh, I don't know which way the country will go, but I know which way I want to go, and I'm planning on going. I want to <laughs> be like Daniel. I've purposed in my heart to go that way, Alex, with God.
2: Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Clint. And uh, you keep praying for America, and we're certainly going to do the same. Uh, how about Sammy? Uh, currently in arkansas now sammy are you a truck driver yes sir we, we love em. the truck driver hey, right hey. now
1: you guys are heroes you know the heroes that were when the pandemic started the heroes were the medical workers today right yeah. now the transportation people that's moving merchandise are heroes and yeah. you qualify sammy thank you brother
2: i i want to hey, say nice this sammy job. and then i'll get to your question um but You know that we hear so much about supply chain and you and the truckers are mission critical and brother we thank God for you you be safe out there what what's your question
7: Uh, yeah uh, you were uh, just talking a few minutes ago about uh, Christianity being a singing faith and uh, I wanted to uh, ask uh, if uh, you could get with uh, some of the other on-air personalities uh, like Will and Mickey
1: and, and uh, Pastor Joseph uh, uh, Parker, Parker and uh, some of the others uh, to uh, put together American Family Bunker Praise. <laughs> Listen, Sammy, that we've heard that and heard that. The only problem with that is the licenses of it. We have license to To play it, but we're not necessarily having the license to reproduce it and send it out. But I agree with you, man. Uh, Listen, this little bumper music that we have here on Exploring the Word, uh, Alex, most of the time I worship during that, it may be 20 seconds, but man, it speaks to my heart. And when I said singing, we, we have our own hymn book. Psalms is a hymn book, and then Ecclesiastes, uh, yes. excuse me, Ephesians and, and Colossians says, making melody in your heart. I mean, you know, with Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and everybody wants to say, oh, I want to go one way. Well, when they were introducing singing in the, in the book of Ephesians and Colossians, Paul said there's different varieties. He couldn't use just one word. He had to use three, Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So Alex, I praise the Lord for hymns. I praise God for many of the the you know modern day chorus singing that we do. Uh yes, yes, we are singing faith. Yes. Thank
2: you, Sammy. Because Christians have Thank you, Sammy. Christians have something to sing about. Uh Karen from Texas. Karen, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word.
4: Thank you guys. I uh I love you guys and I praise God for you and pray for y'all every day thank you thank dear. you so much i'm going to try to keep it because i've been wanting to make this call for a while um alex i also would like to i would like to be able to um get in touch with you but my son ty when you were promoting the truth for truth for new generation youth camp my son ty was a part of that in 2018 and um it was such a blessing for him but my question—I'm oh, really struggling. Wonderful. Yeah, I don't know if you remember him, but I think you will. <laughs> so, uh, I, I would, believe I do more. remember Ty. I—I'll just say he was sitting on a bus with you at a, at a particular incident. So, um, anyway, on a field trip. But uh, you were just such a blessing to him, and I just praise God for both of y'all. I—I'm um, struggling and it might be a two-part question, but one's more important to me than the other, but it's kind of a two-pronged question. Um, you guys promote, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you talk about praying for our leaders, and I'm struggling because when you sense evil, that's that's just, I, do we pray? Does God sometimes not prompt us to pray when... Um, we can see evil or maybe sometimes even taking his i'm not trying to be judgmental if that makes sense i'm not trying to judge anybody i'm not in the place to do that but i'm not prompted to pray and in particular i think you you guys know what i'm talking about so
1: yeah Yeah, karen um, let me let me stop there and just say this praying for leaders this came up this week here at afa with someone I was talking with And they were talking about praying for them. And I said, well, let me just share with you. I pray for them. But on their plans that they have, I pray they'll fail. Their plans, many of their plans are evil. They're anti-God. They're anti-biblical. They're anti-Jesus. And I pray those plans will fail. Now, do we need to pray they'll change their minds? Yes, we do. But you know what usually happens before someone changes their mind, Alex and Karen, there's failure in what they're trying to do and what they believe. Uh, if they if 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 mm. the, they were doing and successful in what they were doing, most of the time they would keep on doing it. But when they fail, you start looking at it and saying, "What's going on?" So I I can pray for my leaders, and I pray God that you would help them, that you would intervene. But I do pray that their plans would fail. I think that is an appropriate prayer at this time.
2: Yeah, and, and love doesn't mean we have to agree with them, but we do need to pray. Do you remember Luke six twenty eight? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Or some translations say, and I, th- I think this is good, very pictorial language, Luke six twenty eight in the King James. Pray for those who despitefully use you. And so, uh, Bert, there, there's a special blessing from God when you pray for your enemies. And and in life, there's always going to be people that it's hard to pray for, but we are supposed to pray for them. But, Karen, thank you so much, and get, give my best to Ty and tell him to keep on walking with Jesus Christ. But uh, Iowa, Brian in Iowa, thank you for holding. Welcome to the American Family Radio Network, Brian.
7: Well, hello, guys. I really appreciate your program. Um, so I just have a real quick question. Thanks. In, in a number of places in the Bible, it says, uh, God will never leave you or forsake you. And yet Jesus on the cross said, why have you forsaken me? And I, I read somewhere that in the, the blue letter Bible or proper translation, it says how much is enough, or Jesus says how much is enough to God. And I just, I've, I've, ha- I've struggled reconciling
1: both of those things. Okay. You I want to re- make a statement real quick, Alex, and you take a long, longer time. Jesus was, uh, I heard this, it wasn't original with me. Jesus was forsaken, quote, on the cross, so we would not be forsaken. In other words, Jesus, there's this old hymn, Brian, must Jesus bear the cross alone? Yes, it was him. He's the only one that could do that. Did God turn his back? Did God forsake him? It's the first time, far as we can tell, that you could have this, uh, Alex, for a lack of a better term, separation uh, the father had with the son, and but he was forsaken. So he, we would not be forsaken. Have you heard that term?
2: Yes, and you know Jesus was quoting um, Psalm twenty-two there, which begins with those words. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you know, Bert, you and I have talked about this. The um, the uh, that moment where the Father, for the first and only time in all of eternity, uh, the Father and the Son, now God never ceased to be God and the nature of God was not changed because God is immutable. That means unchanging. But somehow, so that our atonement would be achieved, the Father and the Son were forsaken. And, you know, um, we've all felt loneliness before. But Jesus suffered, and the Bible says he's a high priest who was touched with all of the feelings of our infirmities. Bert, can you imagine the loneliness, the abandonment, the, the just destitution, the fear, all of the anxiety, the depression? Every painful, hard emotion that a human could experience was poured onto Jesus times 10,000 and so the reason I'm saying this, and our sins were paid for, and Jesus was resurrected, and the uh, Jesus endured that, and the Father permitted that so we could be saved. But here's what I want to say, Bert, and I, Bert, I'd love for you to comment on it. No matter what you're going through, maybe your spouse walked out on you. Maybe you were laid off from work. Maybe your best friend has kind of drifted away. But whatever you're feeling, you can know Jesus understands and Jesus cares because he went through that and more for us to be reconciled to God, didn't he?
1: He did. That's why we can say there's no friend like Jesus. And using those words, Brian, never forsake you, and it says I'll never leave you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He is that friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is the one that is with us that through thick or thin, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, he is that one. And yes, he was forsaken there so that we would not be. Brian, thank you for that great question. We hope it's helped. And if you feel forsaken alone, I want to tell you, run to God. Run to God right now. Don't wait.
2: Well, we're going to go to Louisiana and speak with Neil. Uh, Neil, are you there?
1: Yes, sir. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Yes. Don't have a lot of time, Neil. Go ahead. Uh, When Cain slew Abel, where did uh, Cain get his wife? Okay. Mm. Alex, have you ever had that question. question before?
2: Do you know what? There's a book out that just came out about three weeks ago called 100 Bible Questions and Answers from Exploring the Word. And um, one of the authors, a really great, brilliant thinker named Bert Harper, and, and the other guy, he's a little iffy, but uh, yeah. his name is Alex McFarland. But you know what? Uh, that question is in there because we get it, it, get it a lot. It just is 5-4. Now, remember... Uh, Adam lived eight hundred more years even after Seth was born, and uh, it says Adam had quote other sons and daughters, and different people have tried to run the numbers of how many you know by by the time of the flood of Noah there were there were millions of people on Earth, um, you know by the time that um, Cain and Abel were were ad- adults you know growing up there would have been other sons and daughters and children. We don't exactly know Cain's age, but um, he married a a sibling, actually, a woman that would have been a descendant of Adam and Eve.
1: And, And, Neil, let me just share with you. They didn't just have, most of them didn't have one child and two children. They had many, I mean many, many. And so the population, quote, Expensuating out of sight Quickly because of the Many births that was taking place Neil thank you for that call Hey Alex uh, we'll be back ready to go Tomorrow are you ready brother
2: I'm ready folks thanks for listening to Exploring the Word it really means so much to us Please tell somebody about it You can listen online and share These shows from AFR.net Tell somebody about the show Most of all tell everybody about Jesus